And Rhino, he's not even an issue. I don't sweat Rhino. Rhino's got him set up on the rope right here. Brought to you by our friends at ProWrestling.com. Very excited to be able to talk to you guys this week. Happy Turkey Week. And we've been off for a couple weeks because, of course, I feel like shit. Just like I do all the time. But I'm back. And I'm ready to talk some wrestling with you fine folks. And the majority of this episode is going to be focused on something I got a lot of emails about. That being the firing of Zelina Vega by the WWE and the fallout that is currently happening and could possibly happen as a result of this because there is a chance that this firing of Thea Trinidad, a.k.a. Zelina Vega, could have bigger ramifications for WWE and the pro wrestling world going forward. So basically it comes down to this. Uh, I got a lot of emails about this and I figured instead of just responding to one of the emails and giving one of the emailers credit here on the show, so many of you asked me to make a comment or ask me my opinion on the Zelina Vega situation and how it relates to possible unionization in the future. So I figured I could make a whole episode out of it because I have a lot of thoughts on this and I have a lot of feelings on this and I have a lot of evidence for my thoughts and feelings on this. So basically Zelina Vega was let go from the WWE last week a lot of people were confused about how and why she was let go. So let's kind of clear the air. Start right up here, up, up front. Selena Vega was not let go because of talk about unionization. She tweeted right before her release, about I think it was about 10 minutes before her release was announced, that she tweeted, I support unionization. And a lot of people seeing that she was that WWE had released a tweet that she was being let go shortly thereafter wished well in her future endeavors you know how that goes that this was related to the I support unionization tweet however that's not the case I believe to my understanding Zelina Vega was let go informed that she was going to be let go earlier in the day She tweeted out the union thing, and then WWE made their tweet about letting her go shortly thereafter. 
So first of all, genius on her part, because it does kind of make it look like WWE fired her for trying to unionize, which is illegal, by the way. But the true nature of this firing is because for a couple things. Uh, Zelina didn't want to give up her Twitch. She feels that, you know, as an independent contractor, she should be able to continue that. Uh, it was a money-making avenue for her. She was doing quite well, as some of the other pro wrestlers are doing on Twitch. And she really enjoyed that that fan connection that she was getting via her Twitch. But I think the straw that broke the camel's back was that Zelina Vega, knowing that this doctrine had come down from the almighty Vince about not being able to have these third-party platforms to make money, which a lot of wrestlers are upset about, let's, let's be honest. You know, AJ Styles, New Day, there's a lot of uh, Paige, there's a lot of people that were doing quite well on the, these platforms. And not, not just the, mono, uh, the monetary considerations, but also the fact that they were able to connect with fans on a different level and just and kind of grow their brand independently. Zelina Vega knew this was all coming, but in spite of that, she decided to start an OnlyFans page. And if you're not familiar with OnlyFans pages, uh, the majority of them are, I believe, are porn stars. <laughs> but there are other people that use OnlyFans as well. And it's like a subscription service, like a fan subscription service where you get like exclusive content, whether it be pictures or videos or the chance to, to interact with uh, these celebrities. And despite knowing that these third-party avenues were no longer allowed, at least not under the Zelina Vega name, I believe she started it under her real name, Thea Trinidad. But even that, I believe, was something that fell under that umbrella of things you're not allowed to do any longer with the WWE. So she was let go, and she's uh, obviously very upset about it. She... If you are on her Twitch or if you saw the videos that were posted by people that are on her Twitch, she is, she's very emotional about it, of course. This was something that she talked about as, as a dream job, and now that's no longer there for her, no longer an option. But she was somebody who kind of put her foot down on this Twitch and on this OnlyFans and on this all these third-party avenues. She was somebody that along with Paige, had kind of put their foot down on these and said that, I'm not going to give these up. And I, she, she paid the price for it. So this is where things start getting in interesting. You've got former presidential candidate Andrew Yang, who has his Yang gang. He's, he's, he's got his supporters. He's a very uh, popular guy. And Andrew Yang is also a big wrestling fan and has been very vocal about the way that specifically WWE is not protecting the independent contractor status of wrestlers. Basically not treating them like independent contractors, treating them like employees without the benefits of being employees, such as insurance, such as 401k, uh, such as some method of reimbursement for lodging and transportation. 
And Andrew Yang has pretty much come out and said that if and when Joe Biden becomes president, if he is not the Secretary of Labor, he's going to know the Secretary of Labor <laughs> and that he's going to have connections uh, higher up in the government that he's going to be that he could potentially get some movement here on on either enforcing the independent contractor status of professional wrestlers particularly in the wwe because they seem to be the most egregious violators of this independent contractor status or helping professional wrestlers particularly those in the wwe either unionize themselves or find an existing union to be able to join and that's when the screen actors guild sag started perking up and we saw the sag Union President uh, Gabriel Carteris. Uh, she used to be on 90210 with Jungle Boy's dad, Luke Perry, by the way. And Gabrielle responded to Zelina Vega and her tweet about I support unionization. I think she said something to the extent of we need to talk. So there has been the, the simmering of you know, potential union talk. I mean, going all the way back to the 80s with Jesse Ventura and Hulk Hogan that we'll talk about here in a second. But there's been this this kind of simmering of, of potential union talk in wrestling lately, especially with the extra restrictions that WWE is putting on their employees on top of the already pretty stringent restrictions that, that they had. But how can you prevent someone here's my issue how can you prevent someone from doing something with their own name not their gimmick name or their wwe own name but their god-given name on their own time how can you prevent somebody from doing something like that on their own time with their own name so if this person wants to have something like twitch where they just get on there and they're playing video games and they're talking to fans and you're saying that they can't monetize that on their free time with their own name. I mean, that's basically the same as saying that a professional wrestler can't donate plasma on their off weekend to make a quick 50 bucks. And you're saying that, oh, we're, you can do that, but we're going to take that 50 bucks and we're going to put it against your downside guarantee. It's, it's, it's insane to me. You know, not, this is not in wrestling. This is not under a gimmick name. This is a person. You're saying that this person cannot do anything monetarily and, and, and have positive monetary consequences without you either getting a piece of the pie or they just can't do it at all. But I, on the WWE side, if they're going to put their foot down on this, if you see it from their point of view, they had to fire Zelina Vega. Because if they're going to carry this torch of preventing third-party money avenues from their ta talent and preventing access to those avenues, then you can't have Zelina staring you in the face and playing chicken with you. She's basically saying, what are you going to do, fire me? And they did. Because if they let... Zelina Vega get away with this, having this OnlyFans account and, and keeping her Twitch, then then they're then they'd have to let everybody do it. We you'd have other wrestlers saying, Well, how is she able to do it, but I'm not able to do it as well. So you may not agree with it, 
and I don't agree with it. However, you understand it. If that's the stance they're going to take, then this is the action they have to take. So getting back to Andrew Yang for a second, we, we know we've got the new Biden regime coming in. Joe Biden's already building his cabinet. He's ready to take office in mid-January. Andrew Yang could be a big player in the future of wrestling unionization. And if it's not unionization uh, of professional wrestlers, potentially professional wrestlers joining an existing union like SAG, or just a reclassification of their IRS status to where they would benefit tax-wise from a reclassification as not independent contractors, and maybe they wouldn't get the exact benefits of being a full employee, but maybe they would not have to suffer so much on the tax front. Maybe uh, because I know when you're an independent contractor, when you're self-employed, the the tax rate is I think something like 40% or something like that. I'm trying to remember back to the days when I was, you know, cleaning doctors' offices and things like that when I was a teenager, and how you you just got this check, and you you figured that oh, hey, that's a lot of money, but there was no taxes taken out of it. You had to claim those taxes at the end of the year. And I remember one year that I didn't realize that and I ended up getting screwed for you know several thousand dollars that I didn't have. And it was, it, it was a rough situation that year uh, because I didn't understand the, the tax laws at the time. And it's kind of the same thing with professional wrestlers. They, they pay so much in tax because of this, the self-employment uh, status, the independent contractor status, that I think they have to pay their taxes quarterly, you know, to make sure that that they're actually uh, able to pay them and that they're actually able to have them calculated correctly. It's it's a big hassle. So I think even just a reclassification of them could help uh, professional wrestlers financially quite a bit. But Andrew Yang, I mean, he's sympathetic to the wrestlers' cause. He doesn't seem to take shit from anyone. He's got friends in high places, and he's got a lot of influence. And there seem to be a lot of members of SAG that are either just sympathetic to the wrestler cause or just flat-out wrestling fans. And if you're WWE, you got to be questioning the timing of them taking a stand on these third-party things. I know we're in a pandemic. I know nothing is guaranteed. Not even tomorrow is guaranteed. And WWE is doubling down on trying to protest, protect its investments, trying to protect its investors, trying to protect its bottom line. With the uncertainty of the global financial situation currently. But come on. I mean, why not do it when we're not in a pandemic, when people are struggling financially already and they have these other avenues that they've discovered to be able to to help them out in an uncertain time and why not do it when when your boy is firmly in the white house why not do it when your boy is firmly in entrenched in his term as as president not when he's on the outs why are you doing it when you have a another billionaire just finishing up his first year as a, with a competing company why are you doing it when you've got unhappy stockholders because of your failed Saudi Arabia deal? So don't do it when, you're, when your boy in the White House is about to get booted after one term. Don't do it when you have a high-profile 
alternative for anyone you can release to go to in AEW. Don't do it when your stockholders are suing you for misrepresenting the rocky state of the Saudi Arabia relationship, which WWE just settled to its investors, stockholders, for a payment of $39 million. If you're WWE, this makes you look really bad and really selfish. And that is not a look that you want if you're about to you know, fight a potential federal battle over the current employee classification of your wrestlers. Because these wrestlers are, are figuring we can make extra money without beating our bodies up. We don't have house shows now for making extra money, so no, no live gates. This is an era of no pay-per-view bonuses because of the network. We're in the middle of a pandemic. And WWD looks like total assholes by treating their employees like this after you already cut a bunch of people earlier in the year because of the pandemic. And WWE's argument that you're making money off Twitch playing video games or dressing up in costumes on OnlyFans, you're making that money because of your WWE exposure. That's why, that's why people want to see you dressing up in costumes. That's why on OnlyFans, or that's why people want to watch you play, pay to watch you play video games. So WWE wants their cut. But the problem of getting any kind of momentum going as far as either the wrestlers unionizing themselves or joining a, a union like SAG, it's the same as it's always been. It's the same problem with, with UFC right now and trying to unionize MMA fighters. The top-level stars have to spearhead it. Jesse Ventura tried to get a union thing going in the 80s. And Hulk Hogan, the biggest of big stars at the time or in the history of pro wrestling, Hulk Hogan ratted out Jesse to Vince. And Vince sent Jesse home. And the only reason Jesse Ventura came back was because NBC wanted him for Saturday night's main event because Jesse had become a big movie star. He was in uh, the Schwarzenegger movies, uh, The Predator, and then later on he was in The Running Man, too. Which also Vince didn't want Jesse to do, and I think fired him for on another occasion because he wanted to do these movies. Jesse's probably the only person... Uh, the only person that's been fired more than Jesse Ventura is probably Marty Jannetty in the history of WWE. But back to being the, the, the top level wrestlers needing to be the head of this thing. If you're a top guy or girl, you're making life-changing money. You don't have to worry about being released at the drop of a hat like a Zack Ryder or a Kurt Hawkins or a Keith Slater or an EC3 or Eric Young or a Leo Rush or Deanna Perrazzo or Primo or Epico or Noe Jose or Mike Bennett, Maria Canellis and Aiden English and even you know trainers like Billy Kidman or agents like Fit Finley or Shane Helms or anyone of that ilk. If you're a top-level star, you don't have to worry about that. You probably don't need to do cameos. You probably don't need to do Twitch. You probably don't need to do OnlyFans because you're already making millions of dollars. But some of these lower level talents, some of these Twitch streamers claim they're making just as much money or more from their subscribers than they are from their WWE contracts. And they don't have to get dropped on their head to do it. So uh, the Screen, Screen Actors Guild thing is interesting. The SAG thing. Because when you think about it, 
wrestlers, particularly in the WWE, are following scripts. They're reporting at call times for shows. They are paying their own trans and lodging. They're not even touring anymore and may not even do so when the pandemic subsides. So they're just producing a TV show. It's just like a sitcom, just far less entertaining. So these guys, these WWE wrestlers appearing on TV every week are basically actors on a TV show. And things are a little different with AEW because of the less scripted nature of the show. But there's definitely some similarities there with WWE and AEW, with the difference being that AEW is more lenient about letting their talent work indies, letting their talent work overseas, letting their talent work with third-party platforms like Twitch. But I think SAG is going to be very interested in this WWE situation. I don't think SAG can just say, hey, we're going to accept wrestlers into our union. Because there, there's got to be a lot of red tape about who do you take. Do you only Are you only able to take those wrestlers who actually appear on national TV? Is it ones that have a certain number of national TV credits? That's probably going to be something that a court is going to have to decide. And it's very confusing on how that whole process would work. But if SAG does, say, agree to accept, let's just say WWE talent. If SAG agrees to accept WWE talent into their union, WWE can't just fire them for that. That's illegal. But like I said, the union thing would be great, but the union thing doesn't even have to happen. If Andrew Yang can spearhead the movement to either get these wrestlers, particularly in WWE, to have true independent contractor privileges, or just have the IRS reclassify them in some way, that would be a big positive change for them. And I know it seems like we're picking on WWE, but we're doing that because they're really the only one that overtly and egregiously is restricting the lives and careers of their talent. And you can't have it both ways if you're WWE. You can't treat your talent like the old pro wrestling days when you claimed to be a sporting competition and you were regulated by state athletic commissions. And so... Your athletes weren't employees. They were participating in like a sporting organization. So you didn't have to treat them like employees. But then say that years later, no, we're not an athletic competition. We're a TV show. We're entertainment. So we don't have to deal with the state athletic commissions anymore, which is better financially for us and less hassle for us because now we're a TV show and now we're entertainment. We're not athletics. So we got the athletic commission, you know, problem in most states. I know there's still some states that that regulate. We got that off our back, but we still want to treat wrestlers like they're the indentured servants of the old days. You can't have it both ways. And Zelina Vega is a freaking genius for tweeting out the I support unionization thing right before the WWE tweets came out about her release. And on a side note, I heard that Vince wouldn't even, Selena wanted to say goodbye to, to Vince on her way out. Vince wouldn't even see her when she requested it, just had her escorted out of the building. Come on. 
and and this is this is at a point in Selena Vega's career where she was being used more prominently in the last year than she had at any time in any promotion. I mean, even when she was with Impact, you know, they didn't get near the the exposure that being on a main WWE roster gives you and being in main WWE storylines first as a valet and now as a wrestler to the point where she's starting to get title shots. I mean, she was in the she was a main valet on the programs with Andrade and Garza. She was in the the Page movie, Fighting with My Family. She was starting to pick up a lot of steam with her singles career. She just had a women's championship match. So they let her go, and she was a very valuable member of that roster. So she's going to be fine. Don't worry about Zelina Vega. She's going to either get picked up by Impact, where they misused her before, and maybe could have another shot at it, or Ring of Honor, or AEW, which desperately needs help in improving its women's division. So I would not worry about Zelina Vega in in that aspect. But it's very interesting. It's it's going to be very interesting going forward. And who would have thought that you know what whatever Zelina Vega is, you know, five foot if that, that you know the pint size Zelina Vega could be the one making you know big waves on this uh, potential unionization front and going forward, and could be one of the heads and one of the, one of the uh, main players. In this going forward, things are going to get very interesting when uh, the White House regime changes and we get through this pandemic, uh, hopefully by mid 2021 or so. And we can kind of start refocusing on things like labor issues, which is what, you know, this directly applies to when we don't have a worldwide pandemic to deal with. Uh, Things could get very hairy for WWE going forward it'd be very very interesting uh let's wrap up here with an email from our good friend steve here in st louis somebody who's steve somebody who's been with me ever since my radio days here in st louis and uh, steve has a question about survivor series just took place this past weekend steve writes how do you feel about the booking of survivor series It's got to be tough to keep both shows and networks happy when you've got champions going against champions and teams going against teams when someone presumably has to lose. So, uh, first of all, Survivor Series, I thought it was a a good show. I know that's kind of a hot take, but it had stuff on there that I really enjoyed. It had stuff on there that was made me want to throw up and it had stuff in there that was kind of in the middle so basically it was a it was a normal wwe show and this time last year uh, my brother and i and dougie wrestling of the stf underground podcast also available on prowrestling.com that drops every friday i believe on prowrestling.com and your favorite podcast platforms Uh, we were at survivor series and nxt war games last year in chicago and man, what has changed in a year? I mean, with the with the global pandemic and just everything that has been going on in the world in the in the last year, uh, what a different! It's like we've lived five years in the in the span of the last 365 days. But 
for this year's Survivor Series, I'm first of all, I'm okay with the concept of Survivor Series being brand against brand. I mean, I missed having NXT this year, but I'm cool with SmackDown versus Raw. But the thing, the issue I have with this is what's wrong with people just winning and winning with their finishers? You know, I, I don't like the concept of we want to have these quote-unquote dream matches, but we want to protect both people because they've got to go back to their show the next week and we need them to be strong for that show. You, you can't have it that way. You can't book these matches and then, you know, protect both people every time. I thought they did that pretty well in the Street Profits New Day match. And I'll talk about that in just a second, but you you can't have it both ways. You cannot say that we want to give these these matches champion against champion and that's going to be the big draw of and the big appeal of the card. But then when you have that, you have screwy finishes or you have you know cheating finishes or you have ref bumps or you have you know whatever but let's talk about the the men's survivor series match you could have seen this from a mile away when you saw the disparity in the teams i mean otis and king corbin made 40 made up 40 percent of the smackdown team and they're both jokes smackdown had, had no chance here so at least the clean sweep by raw did something in that it pushed the jay uso roman story a bit but i mean this match was this match was silly. I mean, this match was, you know, kind of worthless. Uh, but at least it had a, def- a definitive winner. I thought the the Seth Rollins sacrificing himself to Sheamus thing was weird, but I guess we'll see where, where that goes going forward. Uh, Street Profits beating the New Day with their finisher cleanly was perfect. Perfectly done. Excellent match. The Street Profits, the young team, gets elevated as they should. The New Day doesn't lose anything in the process. Nobody's going to say, oh, well, New Day's going back to SmackDown now and are going back to Raw now, and they're they're not strong anymore because they lost. No. They, they go back to Raw the next night, and uh, I believe they beat uh, the Hurt Business. That's so they, they beat the, the Hurt Business. So, I mean, New Day doesn't lose anything at all. And they get to elevate the street profits a little bit. So the way that was booked in, in response to Steve's question, I thought it was done perfectly. It was well done on the booking front. Uh, Bobby Lashley defeating Sami Zayn. I believe that's the way it should have gone down. Bobby looks strong, as he should. Sami looks overwhelmed by the numbers of the Hurt Business and gets beat after talking shit leading up to the match. So I thought this was very well done on the booking front as well. I don't think Sami... I thought Sammy Sammy gets beat with Bobby Lashley's finisher. Sammy can go back to SmackDown and he can say that oh the, it was a numbers game and you know I was you know at a disadvantage from the start and you know he's he's got a, he's got Sammy being Sammy there and I think that that was booked very well. I thought Asuka and Sasha was booked pretty well. I would have rather had a little bit of different finish to the the end of the match, but I'm, I'm a little less entranced with a surprise roll-up pin for Sasha, but at least it was clean. You know, Sasha's on track for the biggest run of her career, and 
I honestly think that if Sasha continues this arc that she's on right now, she can maybe get to that Becky Lynch 2019 level. So I thought the right girl won, but I wish it would have been with her finisher. I, I guess they just didn't want Asuka to tap, but I think there's a way you could have done it with a li- little bit more than just a, a roll-up. But the right person won. I'm going to give that one a, a passable grade for the booking. Uh, the Women's Survivor Series was a joke. I mean, having Lana stand on the stairs and survive after being put through a table eight or nine weeks in a row, that's just silly. What a waste of a long-ass match. This this did nothing for me. This was very poorly booked. I know you have a men's Survivor Series match, so you want to have a women's one as well. I just thought the booking of both of the five-on-five matches was probably the poorest on the card. But this one was just a a waste. This one was so weirdly booked, so poorly booked. I don't know what they're thinking. And then as a result of of Lana surviving, she gets a title shot on Raw the next night, which doesn't end up being a title shot because of interference from Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. And it's just just a... (laughs) A hodgepodge of crap that I don't want to see all put together. You know, outside of Asuka, there's nothing else there that, that, that interests me. And the story definitely doesn't interest me. And putting Lana through a table eight or nine weeks in a row doesn't interest me. And her surviving and saying, this is the greatest day of my life when she did nothing to win that match for her team. It's, it's, it's just bad. It's just bad booking. It's just bad. And then in the main event, I'm I'm very okay with Roman going over Drew in the main event. I thought the right person won because I think Roman is in that same spot of his career as Sasha is when I, that I mentioned a couple minutes ago where Roman's doing the best work of his career, just like Sasha's doing, and Roman is about to catapult to a different stratosphere as a character and as a champion. The only thing I didn't like about this was it was overly booked. Did you need the Jay Uso interference and a ref bump and a dick shot? You didn't need all three of them. Sometimes less is more. And this booking just seemed a little too convoluted for me. But this is probably the most difficult one to book because you really want both of these guys to look strong going forward, even though they took the title off Drew for a few weeks for some silly-ass reason. Probably to give an excuse, probably to have an excuse to give Orton a 38th shot at the title sometimes later this year. But it, it just seemed... The booking of this, the ending of this, I thought the right guy won, but it seemed to hit all of the heel tropes with the interference... The ref bump and the nut shot. That's like the trifecta of, you know, heel victories. And Roman doesn't need all that. Roman's a badass. Roman doesn't need a nut shot. One of those things would have been sufficient. You need, didn't need to do all three of them. Um, how would I have, have booked it differently? You know, I, you know, I probably wouldn't have had Drew pass out uh, to that guillotine choke. You know, maybe have, you know, may, let's, uh, let's say maybe you have the Jey Uso 
interference and that's that's the one thing that you go with you don't go with the ref bump you don't go with the nut shot you have the the Jey Uso interference and that leads to you know Drew getting caught in that guillotine choke Drew eventually you know we have a you know a good sell and a good uh, segment of Drew eventually getting to the ropes but he doesn't have you know much left in him and then Roman hits him with three spears in a row not not a spear and a kick out a spear and a kick out and then a finally a spear I mean, Roman just says all right I'm gonna hit you with three spears you're done you know I'm really gonna put you away so then you know Drew has a reason there you know Drew has a a reason why he got put in that precarious situation with the choke and put at a disadvantage he uh Roman has uh, an excuse to really go overboard because the the choke didn't put him away and so he really had to assert his dominance and I thought that that would have I thought that that would have been a lot better or maybe have you know Jay Uso attack Drew before the match you know come up behind him attack him before the match uh, the ref is saying, Drew, you're in you're in no condition to to wrestle this match. Drew, you know, being the the big time babyface that he is, says, Yes, I'm going to wrestle this match. But Drew goes in with a disadvantage, and Drew almost wins, and Drew almost wins, and you know, we get a lot of near falls, but Roman eventually just beats him with the finisher, and you can even do the the spear followed by the choke at that point. And who would blame Drew McIntyre for going in? injured because he had already been attacked by Jey Uso or whoever before the match and then he grinds through and he nearly pulls it out but Roman's just too much to overcome. I thought that one of those ways would have been much better booked and you didn't you don't want Roman Reigns in the traje- trajectory that he has right now and the way his character is being built to start hitting people in the dick. That is just the the laziest thing that, oh, he's a heel. He's got to hit somebody in the dick. That's what Nakamura did, and it turned into a joke. You know that it, it, you don't want that to happen. You don't want Roman Reigns to just become a, a, an average heel. The reason that that he's so successful right now is because he's doing heel things that most other heels aren't doing, and he's doing heel things that he's never done. He's not just your your chicken shit heel that has to re- rely on shortcuts. You know, he's more. Uh, meticulous about it he's more cerebral about it especially with Paul Heyman at his side so I thought that one of those two ways that I just came up with probably would have been better book but I thought the right guy won and I thought that uh, not having Drew on TV the next day was also a good thing I uh, I don't recall seeing Drew on on Raw you know I might I might have missed him but I don't believe Drew was on Raw the next day and I thought that was a a nice little touch. I thought that was uh, pretty well done as far as storyline-wise and booking-wise. So I thought WWE overall, given the tough situation of having so many champion versus champion and network versus network uh, situations here, I thought they did a passable job on that to answer your question, Steve. And by passable, uh, C-. minus. How about that? They pass. They get to go on to uh, booking... Uh, 
102. They passed booking 101 just barely, and they get to go on to booking 102. So thank you, Steve, for the email. You can always send us those emails, rhinowrestlingreview at gmail.com. We will probably be doing another mailbag episode very shortly because the emails are starting to overflow. And I make sure that I respond to everybody that emails us, but... Uh, unfortunately, I can't always guarantee when it's uh, going to get read on the air. So sometimes we have to, you know, just kind of deal with what life gives us. And sometimes we can get an email or two in where it kind of, you know, fits in with the uh, story of what we're doing here. I thought the uh, Zelina Vega thing worked out very well. So every, thank you to everybody who uh, emailed us. I personally responded to everybody. And then we kind of just combined all your emails into one massive one today. And uh, turn it into the majority of the show, which was a lot of fun to talk about. But send us those emails, rhinowrestlingreview at gmail.com, and you will get personal response from me. And we will also eventually give you your shout-out here on the show. You can also tweet us at rhino underscore wrestling. And rhino is R-Y-N-O, by the way, just like my last name. So rhinowrestlingreview at gmail.com. At Rhino underscore wrestling. I am at Dan Rhino. Thanks everybody for downloading, listening, and subscribing. Listen to our friends Doug E. Wrestling, Fox and Ryan, and Mr. Main Event over at STF Underground. A podcast, their podcast is available every Friday on ProWrestling.com and also your favorite podcast platforms. And thanks to ProWrestling.com. This is uh, continues to be an amazing ride being part of uh, such a wonderful website and such a wonderful group. Uh, of people over at ProWrestling.com. Thank you for having us and continuing to support our journey here with the Rhino Wrestling Review. Uh, Thanksgiving is this week, folks. I'm thankful for all of you for downloading, listening, subscribing, and sticking with me on this journey through thick and thin. We will be back very soon with more news and notes and complaints and (laughs) therapeutic bitching about the world of pro wrestling. Uh, So until then, happy Thanksgiving, and don't kick out of each other's finishers. See ya! The R to the Y, N to the O, on a block like a tortoise with a slow, on a block like a baker cause I'm picking up my dough, and when I'm in the booth, like I'm cooking up a O.